We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. What's going on? Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Gold, and I'm joined by the newest member of the Taylor Swift fan club. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome in Michael J. Fachi. Fachi, how's it going, brother? Mm, might be a little bit of a stretch, but, uh, you know, I, I got some respect. I don't know if I'm in the club. But, I mean, uh, you saw the movie. I, I did see the movie. Can't say I'll see it again. I don't think there's going to be. Oh, a, you, you know, will see that again. I, I That'll be playing in your house. I, I can't all the time. see myself huddled up in the living room watching this movie again of a concert. I just can't. But Alex, <laughs> crazier things have happened. So who knows? But anyway, I'm sitting on my couch today, and I got hit by a Woj bomb. And, and you know what? Typically, those Woj bombs don't really um, involve the Indiana Pacers. This one did. Alex, tell everybody. What you got the notification for, what was your initial reaction? Yeah, so just in case people aren't aware, Aaron Neesmith, number 23 for the Indiana Pacers, signed a three-year extension worth $33 million on the 23rd of October in 2023, Faji. So today is all about number 23, and that is Aaron Neesmith for the Indiana Pacers. When I saw that the extension came through and that he was going to get a three-year deal for $33 million, I thought, are you kidding me? I am I am extremely excited to see what Aaron Neesmith can do this season. I think that putting him back in a in a lesser role, not as not as a starter playing the four, but as a backup three or four, it makes way more sense. And to get him on what I would consider a bargain deal, absolutely was the biggest thing for me. I'm like, that is a great deal, a steal of a deal. And a couple of hours later, Faji, Cole Anthony, someone I don't think is as good as Aaron Neesmith. I completely agree got a larger extension for $39 million for three years. So I don't know the contract details yet, but from what we know, Aaron Neesmith locked up with the Pacers till 26, 27. That's good news for Indiana Pacer fans. 
No, it really is. So that means including this year and the additional three years, you got them under contract for four years, roughly $39 million. It is fantastic. When I got that notification, I thought, oh, my God, the front office did it again. What a bargain, just like you said. I mean, to be able to get ahead of this, I think is awesome because we talked about it a little bit. Oh, the Pacers making a mistake, not extending Neesmith and or Obi Toppin before they hit restricted free agency. Could that bite them later on as their price could go up? Well, for a guy like Aaron Neesmith, he could have had plenty of suitors due to his skill set. I think that this is fantastic to be able to get ahead of it, get them locked up under contract, because what had me not uh, thinking that this was on my radar was when you did a couple of interviews on Media Day, someone asked him about if they had made any um, you know, any traction on extensions. And due to Aaron's answer, it really feel like he was he didn't want to talk about it. And that made me feel like, oh, man, I, I really guess they haven't. And to see this deal get done right before the regular season, it's just an absolute hats off to the front office job well done. Yeah, and speaking of the front office, the the Pacers did share a release about Aaron Neesmith uh, getting that extension done, and this is what Kevin Pritchard had to say. He said, since Aaron Neesmith's arrival a year and a half ago, he has continually and consistently grown to become a respected teammate and an important part of what we're building here. Aaron continues to selflessly accept and succeed in every role that he has been asked of him, all for the overall benefit of our team's success. And given his trajectory to this point, we're looking forward to a bright future with him. I, I thought that was greatly worded right there by Kevin Pritchard. It was really cool to see the video of him signing the extension at practice. Lloyd Pierce is ringing the bell that they ring for the three-pointers when they make them. Everybody's out in the, in the practice facility cheering him on and just celebrating this extension with him and the one thing that we know about Aaron Neesmith is he loves being a part of this Pacers organization. He talked about that today at practice, just how much it means to him to be a, a part of this team. And like you said, he was a little bit uh, – he didn't want to talk about – I shouldn't say a little mm -hmm. bit. He just didn't want to talk about the extension when it came to the media day and people asking him about that. But he said over the last couple of days is when the, when the contract uh, extension started coming up, that conversation started coming up. And he said he just really wasn't worried about it because he just wanted to hoop. And he thought, basically, it's going to happen if it's going to happen. If it's not, I'm still here just to play basketball, and I'm excited to play basketball with this team. So really exciting for him to be here. And I think he didn't say too, too much, but you, you can definitely tell that he is very pleased to be with this Pacers organization and, and just represent the blue and gold. And I'm excited to have him back because – his contributions last year, it, they did not go unnoticed. And you and I, when we did our minutes breakdown months ago, we were just like, no matter how many minutes we found for Aaron Neesmith, it didn't feel like enough because we knew what he could bring to the table. And it was just like, this guy's too good. He's going to he's gonna carve out his own role. And I'm so happy to see that the front office is prioritizing him to say, hey, we want you as a part of this group. And now this is where it really feels like the Pacers are building something. They're all on that same timeline. And it just feels like yesterday there was a quote that I shared how they really enjoy playing with each other off the court. You could just see, like, there's chemistry here. This is a group that's having fun together. So now it's like you want the wins to translate so you can keep this core together for years to come. Aaron Neesmith, I mean, just awesome. I tweeted it out how... A year or two years ago, whenever, whenever was it exactly um, that the Pacers, I guess it was July of last year, when the Pacers made that Malcolm Brogdon trade. The NBA Mass is, oh, we got Rob Blindly. 
And how wrong were they that you could see that the Pacers now not only developed Aaron e. Smith, they extended him. That draft pick that we got, the 29th overall pick, we flipped for what could be an even better draft pick next year. It just feels like we'll see what happens with Tice. But getting the best out of Aaron Eastman, which I still feel the best is yet to come, is just something that shows the Pacers once again rolled the dice on a former lottery pick, and it feels that they're getting the results that they wanted. Absolutely. And I do apologize if you guys heard that background noise that popped up there for a quick second. Uh, as Fachi was talking, I was pulling up some articles to make sure I didn't miss anything on the details of the contract, but still nothing out there yet. But yeah, I agree with you. I mean, this is just, it's an awesome player to have because of what he brings to the table. And I've heard some people even throw it on Twitter, like, oh, why go after OG and Anobi? We've got our guy. We've got Aaron Neesmith. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I can kind of understand that to a certain degree. I don't think they're necessarily the same player, but they play the same position and you get a bargain of a deal with Aaron Neesmith who fits this organization and isn't too big for his britches and i hate to say it like that i'm not saying og Ananobi is a player like that but at the same time og is going to probably be looking for a payday and it could be significantly more than 11 million dollars a year so the one thing is you know aaron eastman understands his role on his team he accepts that role and there's no oh give me the ball get out of the way i'm i'm i need a bigger role like he just he doesn't come across that way he just comes across as a team guy but to add on to that rick carlisle did have a quote about the extension at practice today. Uh, this is from Dustin Dopirex's article on the IndyStar.com. He said, when Aaron Neesmith came in the trade last year, we had high hopes that he would be a long-term piece for us. This extension obviously solidifies that. We're really happy for him. He's a great person. He's a versatile player. He's tough. He can shoot the ball, and he can play different positions. It's a great day. And, and I totally agree with that. It is a great day. There were fans asking a little bit about Obi Toppin and whether he would get an extension. But I think at this point, it doesn't make sense to come to an agreement with Obi because for the simple fact, he hasn't played a regular season game with the Pacers. So no. I think they're going to kind of ride this one out into free agency. He will be a restricted free agent. The Pacers will kind of have control over that. And I think that they'll make that decision there once they get a full year of Obi Toppin under their belt. But Aaron, they got that opportunity last year. And you talk about, you know, trading Brogdon to get Aaron Neesmith, like, the one thing we didn't think about, and maybe we didn't talk about enough, was that he was on that rookie contract, and we would have team control over over that contract for the next couple of years with having his restricted free agent rights. And so now we kind of avoid all that and have him long term. And so, you know, um, the Malcolm Brogdon trade, I think, worked out for everybody because he was six men of the year last year. They ended up using him in the Drew Holiday trade. And then the Pacers kind of uh, recouped the value of an Aaron Neesmith, Fachi. He went from a guy that wasn't getting minutes to – being kind of a pivotal part of this Pacers team moving forward. Yeah, just a couple of things. One, Malcolm Brogdon. I mean, the gift that keeps on giving. I mean, who knows what, what Portland ends up getting for him eventually. But, you know, we'll see. But for Aaron Neesmith, I mean, he was un, unproven. We saw, what, 15 games that looked really good at Vanderbilt where he shot the ball really well. And then we didn't see much for his first two years in Boston. So the Pacers front office had a, a great job. They've had this of the eye to identify talent and they got the most out of him. And I'm just, I don't know if I saw this coming a year ago that it's like, Hey, Aaron Nishman is going to be a guy that we're going to want to lock up early to be able to save some money on the back end. But that's just, man, that's what it's all about. When those hopes of hitting on those lottery picks. And that's why I love how the 2020 draft in specific Jalen Smith, Obi, Aaron Neesmith, Tyrese Halliburton. Those are, those are four guys that you could say. Jordan Moore. 
Jordan Nwora. I mean, those those are those are five guys from that draft class that other teams gave up on that the Pacers showed interest in, and all those guys have looked better with the Pacers. Obviously, OB it's just a couple of preseason games, but we expect the best is going to be seen this year compared to the last few years for OB Toppin. So this was a great day to be a Pacer fan to be able to get ahead on this signing. And there were plenty of other guys that were signed. You mentioned Cole Anthony. There, there was a lot of guys that signed extensions today. Some were, were very big, and Jaden McDaniels. Uh, there oh, yeah. was some other ones that, you know, were, I mean, a, co- a couple weeks ago, Devin Vassell, your boy who you brought up, signed a pretty solid extension, five years, 135. That's a good player. So I, yeah, there, there was a couple other guys, but I just felt this was great value for the Pacers, and it does not really affect – the, the, the caps, you know, the, the, the sheets moving forward because you could afford to say, hey, we're going to pay Aaron Eastmith roughly $11 million per year, depending on how that, that works out, and still have plenty of cap space to go after other players. So I'm really excited about it. Look at, look at the contracts next year for the Pacers. You have Tyrese Halliburton, $35.5 million. All right, that's the franchise. Bruce Brown, we'll see what happens at $23 million, you know, essentially as an option. Uh, then there's Miles Turner at 19.9. And then there's Aaron Neesmith as the fourth highest paid at $11 million. I'm sorry. That's awesome. <laughs> it, it, these books are in order. Yeah. I, I don't think that this extension really hurts the future nah. books at all. And I, you still got to make that decision on top end. And then I think, you know, we'll see what happens with Buddy Heald. That's another one to keep an eye on, of course, because Buddy isn't expiring. But at the same time, they did have pretty serious extension talks with him. From uh, what I know, it was not just like we had talked about, maybe just like a, an offer that he wouldn't take. It was actually a decent offer. So we'll see how that plays out. I'm, I'm sure he's wanting a little bit more, probably being one of his last bigger paydays. So that would make some sense to me. But yeah, they, they've got themselves in a great situation to still have that cap flexibility. And I'm excited to see what happens because I do think Aaron Neesmith is a really good player, Fachi. I, I, I fell in love with him a little bit more last year as he grew in that role as a starting four with that lineup that really just clicked. And I and I think that we've just slowly started to see him progress into a player. And so another quote from Rick Carlisle today at practice that I wanted to share was really worth bringing up. He said, and this is what Carlisle said about Neesmith, his game is totally on the come. Everything about it, his ability to read defenses uh his ability to read defenses offensively, his ability to guard multiple positions, we can play big or small in defensive situations. All that stuff is really important to us. He's still a very young player. This positions him very well in his career, and it positions our franchise very well. He'll be 27 years old when his contract set. A similar place to where Miles Turner was when he was up for his second extension. So I think that that's another way to look at it. Like you're getting him before he enters into his prime but he's going to develop and learn things with the Pacers. And so when he does enter his prime, what do they do in three to four years if he's still on the roster? Can they find a bigger role for him? Can he keep the same role and continue to be that sixth, seventh man for us? You you just never know. But I I think the Pacers have themselves in a great spot and such a a steal of a deal. I I cannot believe the amount of people that were commenting on this saying it was an overpay on social media. I think that was just... Bush League, what are we talking about? We talk about the one guy I saw you interact with that was like $33 million per year for Neesmith. Oh my god, it was like, what? <laughs> like, you, you can't read, or I don't know what's going on, but I just don't understand how people could look at the contract and, and think that that's the case. 
This is $11 million, which now is becoming as, as much of a bargain as could possibly be in the NBA for a guy that can, you know, play defense, shoot the three. And also it feels that his offensive game is expanding. I mean, Aaron was one of the guys that we really complimented in the preseason through the first three games, looked like one of the most improved Pacers. So there's always going to be the haters out there. I think that, you know, when you equate real life money to NBA money, people always just say, oh, who's worth that money? But it's just like, guys, it's a totally different type of money that we're talking about. When you're when each team has the, the ability to spend like that, to be able to spend $11 million for an Aaron Neesmith, who, like you mentioned, 23 years old, going to be, you know, 24 by the time, uh, 27 by the time his deal's done. I mean, this is as good as it gets. No, it really is. And I think that Pacer fans should just be excited because Aaron Neesmith plays a style of basketball that every Pacer fan, you know, really, really embraces, really enjoys and really respects because he goes out there and gives it all. He's got 110% every single night. And it doesn't matter if he shoots one of 10 from three or eight of 10 from three. He's going to play the same way. He's going to play relentless. He's going to play fearless. And he's always going to be up for the challenge to do whatever the coaching staff asks of him. So, you know, I've grown to really be a fan of him. And I think that we're going to see him. And I've talked about this before on multiple different podcasts, but I think he's going to be in a lot of closing lineups and close games that we're in just because he has that versatility that Rick Carlisle was talking about. So, you know, nothing, nothing but great things to say. When we had Aaron on the show uh, last year, I think it was, he he was just super excited to be a part of the Pacers organization. And we talk about it. Indiana is not a desired destination for a lot of these players, but if they can come to this place and feel like they can be a part of something that we're building and embrace it and really, you know, relish in the fact that this is what got them going with their NBA career, then I think more opportunities are going to open up for the Pacers to be an attractive free agent spot or a trade place, knowing that we have what it takes to develop the guys, empower them to become better players, and then let them play the style that they're best at and kind of, find those good attributes to him. So I think overall we have seen nothing but improvement from Aaron Neesman since the day he became a Pacer. And I don't think that we're going to stop seeing those improvements happen anytime soon. I don't either. Indiana feels like the place of second chances. I feel like there's time after time the front office has pulled off these deals and properly developed players between Oladipo or Sabonis or, you know, Tyrese Halliburton, Neesmith, I mean, all the, the the previous most improved players of the year for dating back years and years. There, there's so many of them. And I just feel like that's what we've done because not every team can develop talent properly. I mean, so many times we see like like the Knicks for, for years couldn't develop their first round picks. There's plenty of teams out there. That's not a problem that the Pacers have had. And I just think that they've gotten the most out of so many former lottery picks, first round picks, whatever you want to, whatever uh, group you want to you know, put them in, the Pacers have been able to find the the buy low guys and be able to maximize their talent and to add Aaron Neesmith to that list. And I, I just get worried that people aren't going to want to trade with us anymore because we just keep winning. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where we always kind of sneak in there and make the right value play and I don't really think there's been a trade that hasn't benefited everybody that we've done recently I'm trying to think of one I I just I mean look I know Karis LeVert wasn't like maybe what we hoped for but at the same point 
we traded Oladipo in that scenario. Like getting Lavert back and some picks was actually really good value. So yeah. I know you know Lavert didn't develop into an All Star by any means, but I think in the end you end up flipping Lavert for what ended up being uh, Andrew Nimhard, an additional you know first round pick. I, I just think every trade really has worked out. Yeah, I think the 26 overall pick was Ben Shepard. That's part of that trade. Yep. So mm-hmm. you look at it now, you say you traded Karis Levert for Andrew Nimhard, Ben Shepard. That feels pretty right. darn good, right? Yes, it does. Uh, and the Cavs have really utilized Karis Levert to be that kind of six-man form and kind of be that point guard, small forward, that point forward type of player, right? I mean, he's just he's a bigger guard that can handle the ball, and I think that's a nice benefit that they can have from him. He's been He's a really streaky player. That's the thing with uh, Karis Levert. It's like – defensively there's a lot to be desired but offensively he can do a lot of really special things but yeah that was a really good trade and then like you talked about it earlier the brogdon trade getting back tice and uh, aaron neesmith and that pick we we flipped that pick and we get a pick next year in this coming draft the 2024 draft by by moving off that pick and then yeah i'm, I'm just trying to think of all the trades that we've done even the one to get george hill and jordan mora like yeah we had to cut james johnson we had to cut gogo bataze we had to move off of Terry Taylor. But at the end of the day, it made a lot of sense. We ended up getting Serge Ibaka and that trade of people forgot about that. So, you know, it, it's one of those, I, I one of those things where you just look at it and go, okay, every move we're making has made sense for both sides. And that's the, that's a way you kind of build that chemistry with other GMs is just by, Hey, we're not going to try to screw you here. Let's try to do a fair deal that benefits both of our teams. And you don't want to deal with someone like a Danny Ainge or a Daryl Morey who you feel like they're always trying to get the edge in a deal where you just can't really trust them when you're negotiating. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey Pacer fans, Alex Golden here. I wanted to let you know about my new blog, The Blue and Golden. If you enjoy reading articles about the Pacers, then subscribe to my Substack, which is 100% free. You can find the blog at thebluewandgolden.substack.com or you can follow the link in the description of this podcast. If you enjoy what you're reading on The Blue and Golden, please share the blog with your family and friends. Thanks for your support of not only this podcast, but my written work that can only be found on thebluewandgolden.substack.com. Now, let's get back to the show. Danny Ainge, man, I, I just... I don't know, man. In this moment right now, I'm just so thrilled and excited for Pacer basketball right now that I just want to keep building, but I don't want to get too ahead of myself. And I just feel like I want to see this core together keep moving slow because I know everyone's always looking for that next move and that next move. What if the the talent is on this team right now? Just they're too young and they just need time to develop. That's the thing. I mean, you have to to figure out the balance of, when do we push our chips in to go after exactly. somebody? And when do we let these guys kind of figure things out? I thought it was great today. I forget who asked the question. I'm, I'm really sorry about that. But uh, we had talked about it, and it was like, you know, uh, on yesterday's podcast, like, Jairus Walker is not going to probably have the same impact that a, um, that a Ben Matherin had in his rookie year. And somebody asked about that. I think it was Scott Agnes talked about easing Jairus into the, to the mix of things like that he's been into it. And Carlisle was like, we didn't ease Ben into this. Ben just came in and was just a really good score right away. So he said, I want them to, you know, come in hard to it. I don't want them coming in easy. I don't want them easing into it. I want them to be really giving it all they got. And so he said every rookie situation is different. And I kind of feel like that's the same case for every young player, whether it's a rookie or not. Some guys just develop quicker than others. And you can get excited because you see a Nimhard, you see a Matherin really, you know, just pop in their first rookie season. But then, Maybe you see a guy that needs a couple of years to develop, like a Jalen Smith. But look at him now, year four, what he has been doing as the backup center in preseason. Like he would never have been able to do that two to three years ago. So no. patience is key. That's one thing to remind yourself, especially when you're talking about uh, a 19, 20 year old kid in Jairus Walker. It just it just takes time. But you're right. You got to find that balance, and that's why I think Chad Buchanan at Media Day, and when he did his uh, beginning of the season press conference was very hesitant to commit to one side or the other. And that that's the thing is just the fans want to just say, just say playoffs, just say it, you know, just say we're going for it all. But it's like, oh, when you look at this team, like there is a lot of talent over here that if you do just push your chips in, you go for it, you could end up kind of crushing the development of some really promising young players. I mean, I'm looking at the salaries right now for this Pacers team. We've talked about it before, but the 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 guy making the least money on the Pacers right now is Andrew Nemhard at just about two million dollars, and then there's Ben Shepard at you know about two two and a half, and then it's just, there's so many guys that are making sub six million dollars 
that are our $7 million that are all between ages, I'd say, you know, 21 to, to 23. And mm-hmm. it's just, if you give these guys time, the Pacers could raise the ceiling for something longer than a, a, a two-year window or anything like that. So I don't know when that move is going to come where we're going to say, hey, we're, we're, we're pushing it all in or we're going for it all. But this year, we're going to learn a lot about who's a core member of this team and maybe who we need to bring uh, bring along a little bit you know, slower. But we're always going to have wide eyes for guys like OG and, and stuff like that. And we'll have to revisit that at the deadline. But I think the Pacers are doing a great job of kind of tiptoeing that line of like, we have a very competitive team, but we also have assets for when that, that move does come about. And I mean, Alex, you tell me right now if, if you want to dive into it, but you know, there's there's gonna be injuries at some point amongst the league where, where yeah. players are, you know, go out and that just happened with Memphis. Mm-hmm. Memphis just lost Steven Adams and now they have a big hole at the center spot, which now you look at a team like the Pacers who has four centers of their own. Yeah. It becomes a okay, is this uh could Memphis be a team that could be calling the Pacers? I yeah. mean, that's that's a possibility. Yeah, so it was interesting because I did talk with uh, a couple of different people to, today that cover the Memphis Grizzlies, and I think one of the more interesting things is the Grizzlies do have a $7.492 uh, million dollar trade exception in the Dylan Brooks sign-in trade that happened with Houston. So they could utilize that to acquire a center from the Indiana Pacers. However, the person that I talked to, I think they were a little bit maybe confused or didn't understand how the uh, a trade a player exception works because you cannot attach that with a player to to make the salaries match up. So Daniel Tice is just a little bit outside of that range. Mm-hmm. So you could not combine a Kenneth Lofton Jr. salary plus that expiring for, or that exception, excuse me, for a Daniel Tice. Now, what you could do is maybe you throw an Isaiah Jackson in the deal and you're looking at some kind of pick swap or pick something back that you could get in return. But I don't really think that that makes a lot of sense because I don't think that Isaiah Jackson is the right fit for a team that's trying to contend. So I do, I still think Daniel Tice is the answer. Now the other trade that we threw out there uh, in conversation, which I think they were kind of like, yes and no one, but they were worried about their roster space, which I get that, but they'd probably have to just make a cut on somebody, but you could send Daniel Tice and Jordan Wara to the Memphis Grizzlies. For Brandon Clark. Now, Brandon Clark is out with an ACL injury. He might come back um, this season at some point, but he is a, a a big that just got signed by them. He can play the four or the five. I think that he's probably better off as a five, in my opinion. And I think there's a lot of Pacer fans that were really intrigued by Brandon Clark when he was drafted. I think he was in the same draft class as Gogo Bataze. He was. So that could be a a, a trade idea that does make some sense. Uh, we hinted at that yesterday, but I just think Daniel Tice getting an opportunity to play with a team that's trying to make a, a push in the playoffs, like Memphis, that could use someone that is a sturdy center, not the level of Steven Adams, but I still think he can give you like pretty decent production at that spot, would make a lot of sense to me. And they have Marcus Smart, who you previously played with in Boston, and they would have great chemistry together. That is very true. Now, I, I did I did have some trades of my own, but I do think that Daniel Tice is someone that could be on the Grizzlies' radar. Now, look, is he their number one priority? No, they, they would be calling around. But when, when you look at this, here, here's some of the trades that I had. And it was close to yours. First, first I want to touch on yours with Brandon Clark because 
Brandon Clark, I think, would be an awesome addition for the Pacers, but I do think that the Grizzlies value Brandon Clark and would like him back. And he is signed for you know about four years. I think this is the first year of his twelve and a half million dollar uh, you know per year contract. Essentially, um, that that would kick in. So at least you'd be getting a player under contract, and I, I would be interested. But I don't know if they do it. But here's a, a trade that I had. Uh, here's tell me what you think. Stephen Adams going to the Pacers. All right, it's $12.5 million this year, $12.5 million the following year. So you're yeah. taking on additional money. You'd get the, the Grizzlies' 2024 first-round pick. They also own the Suns' pick. So I'm talking about Steven Adams and the Grizzlies' first-round pick. And in this scenario, we're trading Tice and Wara. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think the Pacers would be dumb not to do that. I and think it, that they could flip Steven Adams, too. Once exactly. he gets healthy the following season. But I think that Memphis probably still has high hopes for Adams to be part of their core after the injury. I mean, it's it's a questionable thing because anytime a guy is coming off an injury, it's a little bit questionable, especially an injury that he has and one that he's been dealing with since what last March, I think. So yes, it's it's been a long term injury, and we've seen how it takes guys a while to come back from injuries like that. But if there's anybody that I think could do it, I think it's uh, Stephen Adams. He's as tough as they come. Yeah, he's Um, as tough as they come. But I do wonder how much of a step slower he will be. He he's he looks a lot older than he is. I'm not even sure his age. He's like 29 years old. You would think that he's like 33 or something like that. Four year difference right there. I mean, hey, I'm in the NBA. That, that, that's a lot. I know. Um, it just sounds funny when you say it. And I'm like 31. I'm like, that doesn't feel like that big of an age difference. I, I'm, my life hasn't been the same since you told me I'd be the oldest guy in the Pacers. It's like, <laughs> I'm 31. <laughs> like, like this is crazy. But um, anyway, fart. <laughs> exactly. I'm just this old geezer out here. But <laughs> here's, here's why I think that Memphis might want to do it. One, we don't know if Stephen Adams ever returns back to that form. But here's the thing. Desmond Bain's contract goes from $3.8 million to $34 million after this season. So then you're going to have between uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., Ja, and Desmond Bain about $96 million alone to those three people. Then Marcus Smart, Luke Kennard, and Brandon Clark are going to count for another $50 million. So they're going to be at about, you know, about $146 million in just six players. So to be able to get off Stephen Adams $12.5 million for the following year could actually save them a ton of money in terms of the luxury tax. So I, I think there's a little bit of an incentive of, okay, hey, you know what? We are trying to win now. Um, it could save a lot of money. But I did have one other trade. Okay, hit me. Interesting. Stephen Adams. The Suns' 2024 first-round pick, so it could arguably be the worst. And Gigi Jackson. For oh, now you're talking my language. Daniel Tyson, Jordan War. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, man, if we can get Gigi Jackson in a deal, you know, I'd go crazy. So, yeah, I'm totally in on that deal. I, I know. I do this. I do. I just don't think the Pacers want to bring somebody on like that. And I, and I, I understand. I, I definitely get it. The one thing that is, is like, okay, it's a two-way deal. So it's like, you know, it's very, very low risk. You know, you could move on at any point. Um, You are still getting a first-round pick. But also, think of it this way. Jordan War is probably the guy who is most out of the rotation at this time, I feel. Him and Tice. Um, So I just feel like in this scenario, 
A, you're cleaning up the centers. You're down to just three. Gives Isaiah Jackson a little bit of a, an opportunity to be able to you know develop. And if anything happens, maybe he's the, the backup big if Jalen Smith gets hurt or anyone, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. And then also, you know, it, it, it enables you to just, I think at that point, hey, you put Gigi Jackson on a two-way, Isaiah Wong's probably gone, and uh, I think you're you're able to sign someone. So mm-hmm. whatever whatever you do with that extra roster spot, I think at that point it could just be a, a veteran presence. Maybe Steven Adams is is a veteran just uh, contributing. I don't know if he would be around the team or not this year while he's rehabbing, but uh, I think both scenarios give the Pacers an extra first-round pick. In the Gigi Jackson deal, you're getting a, a young, promising player that you roll the dice on. It, it's not a high risk by any means, but I think that Memphis has that incentive to be able to get some future salary off the books and you know be a little bit more competitive this year. Yeah, so I will say this. It's kind of an interesting dynamic to look at all three of these trades that we brought up here now. The one that I sent out with Brandon Clark being the guy, the one you sent with Stephen Adams. I, I think that they probably, if they were to do this deal, would part of me thinks that the Steven Adams deal does make some sense, but more so specifically the one that doesn't involve Gigi Jackson. Okay. Just because I think that they would like to uh, keep him. Oh yeah. I, I agree with that though. For his He's, potential, but yeah. I don't think they'd want to give up a pick to get yeah. Tyson Nawara. Like you had mentioned, that's why, and the trade that I did for myself, like that's why I didn't even throw it in there. Now, Brandon Clark, you can do. Det- I think you can say he's probably a worse player than Steven Adams. Right? A worse uh, player? Is that what you said? Yeah, a worse player. Like, he's not Maybe. as good as Steven Adams. He's a little bit younger. He's younger, and uh, he. I think he has more potential moving forward. Is, he is does, but I don't it. know if I like him as their starting center next to Jaron Jackson Jr. for the long term. No, not at all. I mean, he's, so, he's six foot eight. Uh, I just I don't feel great about that. Yeah, as a he's more of a four that can yeah. play the five, and that's not a bad thing. I think he's like just an athletic big. So kind of getting. I don't want to say that. I don't want to sound stupid, but uh, <laughs> giving me vibes of another player in the league that I'm not going to say. But uh, regardless, I do think that they might value Brandon Clark more, but I they might. But I don't think they do. I think I, they value Stephen Adams more for what he means to that culture. Uh, that's yeah. just my opinion. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, this I is a Memphis team that is really trying to, they're trying to win. And it's not that Daniel Tice is the missing ingredient, but I just feel that if Steven Adams is out and he, there is a major risk that he very well might not be the Steven, Steven Adams of the past, given he talked about it. He's been dealing with this injury since March. He's going to miss all of this year. That doesn't sound good at all. So, yeah. I think that they're they're a team that I think could they could they find better offers out there that could probably save them a first round pick. Yeah, they probably could. But that that Phoenix first round pick, I mean, and we've seen you know first round picks, and then it's like for the Pacers, if you get that pick, you're pretty much just you're looking to flip it. I think at that at this point, so thirtieth overall pick potentially. Who knows how things go in Phoenix? The fact that the Grizzlies have two first round picks is why I even believe there's a chance to get a first round pick off of them. It's possible. I just think that the Pacers have to be opportunistic here. I just, yep. I just can see Memphis saying, "Yeah, we're not giving up a first round pick for two guys yeah. that are on your third string team." Okay, no, like, no doubt, no doubt. Yeah, so I mean, the Pacers definitely benefit from here. Um, yeah, I, I think that it could be interesting. Maybe like giving the Pacers the opportunity to pick swap with maybe that Clippers pick or something like that. That could be intriguing. Uh, I don't know how all that would work, but I'm sure there's ways they could do that. So. 
I don't know. I think that Daniel Tice, though, getting an opportunity to play with Memphis makes a lot of sense. And then if you have to throw war in, you can. But I even think that with the pace of salary cap, you could trade up, do like uh, Tice for Steven Adams or Tice for a war. I mean, and not war, Tice for uh, Brandon Clark. Like those two deals still are, are workable because the Pacers do have around like five to seven million dollars of cap space right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very possible. Memphis is they're they're for sure in a pickle with 15 guaranteed contracts. Yeah, at this that's time. why maybe so, a one for one, you get ties, you trade somebody else out. I just the trade exception is the hard part because it doesn't work. Like you can't add it to another salary to make it work. Unfortunately. Yeah. No, it would be interesting. I mean, look, I I, I think that the the Grizzlies could probably do a little bit better, but at the same point, who knows? We'll we'll see. I mean. Steve Adams is a really good screen setter. Tice could set a mean screen himself. But I, I think at this point, you know, Stephen Adams definitely does. It's a big loss for them. It, yeah. it really is. And it's something they got they got to figure out pretty quickly. Because if you have, I don't know when Brandon Clark is going to be able to return to the court. I, I don't. I don't know how long that injury is going to linger for. So that's your two guys down at that point. And those are those are two uh, solid players of the rotation. Yeah. No, I, I – uh... I agree. It's going to be tough for them, and the Pacers have to figure things out themselves too with their rotation. It's just, it's a hot mess right now. The league definitely has a lot of depth on it in terms of like guys that aren't playing in rotations for other teams besides just the Pacers, which is why expansion, I think, is kind of needed. I think that the league is ready for expansion based on, I wouldn't even say it's like great talent, but just like there's not a big drop off from like player eight on the Pacers to player 14, right? So it's just like, it's, it's a tough spot where you're trying to find that balance and it's just like we need more guys getting opportunities to play get paid and that kind of thing the money's there the opportunities there the players are there so i don't see why not even a guy like isaiah thomas you know has been out of the league for a couple of years now but guarantee if there's 32 teams he probably finds a, a roster to land on <laughs> if, if that were the case just because more spots like 30 more open spots you mean to tell me he's not one of the next i i agree I mean, the certain players, there's two players that come to mind that I think are the most fringe NBA players. And Dwayne Washington Jr., Alizé Johnson are two players that cannot stick to an NBA roster but keep getting opportunities at some point each season. Dwayne Washington Jr. just signed a two-way deal with the Knicks recently. And it's just like, we've seen that, man. He can play. It was actually, I remember some Pacers fans were actually kind of upset when the Pacers had to cut him when they were pursuing DeAndre Ayton. So it, it just feels like if you did expand, there's plenty of guys out there that would have an opportunity. And, you know, one day it'll happen, but also the league keeps getting younger and younger. And if, if they end up eliminating the need to have to go to college for one year, yeah, there's going to be pl- plenty of players that can ball that are kind of pushed out of the league because there isn't enough space. Yeah, you're right about that, Fodge. So um, I don't have anything else to add to this, but uh thought it was cool to kind of talk about the two guys that were involved in the Brogdon trade today, mostly highlighting Aaron Eastman's importance to this team and then looking at Daniel Tice as maybe someone that the Grizzlies could be interested in. But with that being said, go ahead and let the people know where they can find us at on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at PacersPodSTP. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at PacersPodSTP. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. Ladies and gentlemen, you can check us out on YouTube at YouTube.com slash Setting the Pace, a Pacers podcast where our post-game reaction video 
to the Pacers season opener against the Washington Wizards will be available for you guys to check out. So we're going to try to make sure we upload every post-game show on our YouTube feed. So if you don't catch it on the pod, you'll at least hear us on the YouTube channel. But with that being said, Fachi, if you're excited that Aaron Neesmith just signed a three-year extension with the Indiana Pacers, then hit me with those three words. Let's go Pacers! Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a